Hi, everyone. Lynn Smith here, and welcome to Stroller Coaster, the podcast that takes you on the wild ride of parenting that we're all in together. Created by Munchkin. No wonder they're the most loved baby brand in the world. Justin, I'm so excited about today's show. We're talking all about dads. I'm a dad. <laughs> That's why we, we got to get your perspective on this. It's daddy's time to shine. <laughs> we are going to get you to shine. You know, I, I don't know half the time what my husband's thinking. I feel like as a mom, I'm too busy to be worried about that. But it's important in partnership and in parenthood. Justin, just from your perspective as a father, what's on your mind? Lynn, I've got two girls under the age of six, so what's not on my mind? Well, that's the thing, is that it's no different than motherhood. Fathers are just as invested and curious and maybe struggling in some ways that we do in motherhood. So we're going to find out what some dads are thinking. On today's show, with us is Brian Anderson, the executive director of Fathering Together, to tell us what he's learned from interviewing hundreds of fathers. And then we're going to hear a heartwarming and funny story from one first-time stay-at-home dad who shares his secrets to how he navigated this new role. So let's dive in. Brian Anderson is the executive director and co-founder of Fathering Together, an organization that's inspired thousands of dads around the world to be better fathers by providing resources and community. He's also authored the book Fathering Together, Living a Connected Dad Life. Brian, I'm so excited that you're here today because you've talked to dozens and dozens of dads all around the world. So you know firsthand what they're going through. What are some of the things that they're struggling with? What are some of the challenges in modern fatherhood? I think the biggest challenge is the script for fatherhood is drastically changing, sometimes by the day. You know, my dad grew up in the 50s and 60s. When I came along in the 80s, he kind of knew the norm, right? Like, I've got to be a financial provider. I've got to do these things to make sure my kids have food on the table. My wife is supported. And the landscape now is so drastically changed. And the role that dads fill is often in question, whether it's in a heteronormative husband-wife relationship or not. There's just so many new narratives. And when I talk with dads, they're trying to figure out which narrative is mine. Do you feel like there's so many different resources when it comes to mom groups or blogs for moms and not as much for dads? Is this why you created the kind of community that you did? Exactly. Yes. My wife had people online, influencers, friends, what have you. And I looked around and there were a few dad groups out there, but they were very heteronormative dad is a breadwinner kind of support groups that I didn't want for myself or my family. So I figured, well, maybe I just make my own. I turned to my dad and asked what he did, turned to some neighbors. And this idea of fathering together evolved as a space to ask the really deep, meaningful questions that we're supposed to already know. I wanted there to be a community of support for dads. And what are some of the questions that they're asking and what are the answers? So I get all sorts of questions that run from developmental stages to, oh no, my kid just put something up their nose and what do I do? (laughs) And I think that's the joy of community because it allows dads to be vulnerable around questions that they're not supposed to be vulnerable about. Every kind of question comes up, like, what does this cry mean? Or when my wife is not around, what do I do with my kid? My kid is walking now. How do I baby-proof my house? Around the start of the school years, lots of questions around, what does my kid wear? What's appropriate? Do I walk my kid into the school? And Those are the same kind of questions that moms have. So this isn't necessarily a father-only problem, right? Like a lot of these questions any parent would struggle with. 
it's just more culturally acceptable for moms to be the one to ask these questions. And as you point out, that's changed dramatically. It's not the 50s or 60s anymore. Totally. And there's a lot of assumptions that are, are still continuing today, especially when it comes to instincts, right? There's an assumption that the mom knows exactly how to handle situations. Like, here, newsflash, we don't know either. We're winging it too with you. What about paternal yep. instincts? What do you talk about when it comes to some of the things that you as fathers instinctually know to do or you don't know what to do? Yeah. One dad I spoke with, his wife is a medical professional, and he admitted during our interview that he just assumed his wife would know everything because she's the doctor. And she said, I've never raised a kid. My medical practice is not in child health, and so why would I know? It's true. So many dads default to, I think my wife will probably know, or my partner will know. The thing is, we do know. And two things that I do with dads are, first, tell them that all the skills we have in the workplace can translate into the home. Getting out the door every morning is such a challenge for any parent when their kids are involved. I realized, why don't I use the same kind of program management to get my kids out the door? Just like I would with my team at work. Like, okay, we have a product meeting, we have an idea generation meeting, whatever. Those are the same skills dads can use in the home. We just don't think of it that way because it's not a paid skill. The other piece of this is much like in the office, you generally don't have two directors both conceptualizing the same product or the same event. You have a director and a team. So in the home, how do you shift the thinking to, okay, all the stuff that happens in the kitchen is my responsibility as a dad in my home, speaking personally. I love cooking. I love going to the grocery store. So my wife is like, great, you're in charge of all the meal prep. You're in charge of figuring out what we need each week for groceries. My wife's realm is laundry. It's therapeutic for her to fold laundry. Great, but we don't get in each other's way. And so by her stepping out of my way, when I fail, I own it. If I forget something at the grocery store, I go back or we just do without for that week. But it's on me, just like in the office. It's on me when something doesn't go right. So empowering dads to see themselves as an executive director or a director alongside their wife or their partner, this is something I'm building with my team and my team happens to be my partner and my children. There are so many different dynamics in families, and that works when you have a partner and you can say, okay, here's what I can take care of. Here's what you can take care of. May not work if you're a single parent, but if you know what it is that you need and you communicate it, maybe it's not with someone inside your home. Maybe it's just the community itself. How have you found that you um, are, are talking to dads about how they communicate to school, to other friends, that they're a part mm. of this, that not everything has to fall on mom? It's great that you asked that because it's a two-way street. I interviewed many dads who complained to me because they were the stay-at-home parent. They were the primary go-to phone number listed for doctor's offices, for the school nurse. And one dad told me three times in one year, the nurse was surprised when he answered the phone when the school called because they expected the mom, right? And he was like, no, I, it's my name. It's my number. Stop being surprised. I am an equal part of this. How do you in these communities empower fathers to embrace some of the things that you're talking about? That's a great question. I was talking with a couple dads, and one of my favorite people now, his name's Danny. One thing that he told me that kicked in for him was that I am now the advocate for this kid in all things. Not an old-fashioned, I'm a knight in shining armor, but I'm the one, along with this child's mother, that needs to make sure they're ready for the world. And as we talked, I, I challenged him to say, but how are you helping the world be ready for your kid? 
we ended up having this really deep conversation because one of his children now identifies as trans. And he's like, you're right. As a dad, it's not just about how do I educate my child for all the things they need to face, but how do I, as a dad, open doors for my child that they might not know need to be opened? Mm-hmm. And so for Danny and many dads like him, that instinct kicked in of how do I create opportunities for my kid to be successful? You are all about community. What does that look like? What does a community look like for fathers? Ultimately, communities for dads have the same hallmark of any community, coming down to relationships and how do dads communicate to one another in a way that holds them accountable, holds them to a higher standard of who they want to be. Using community to ask those questions, to try to get ahead of the game on my kid is going to start teething soon or my kid's going to be asking about boyfriends and girlfriends. How do I navigate those conversations? And using the community as a a crowdsourcing experience to know, okay, this is how this person handled it. This is how this person handled it. If I didn't have a dad community, I wouldn't have these truly global relationships now to help me better center who I am as a dad and who I want my children growing up to be. That's ultimately in dad communities, what we're looking for is accountability, a crying shoulder, and someone also to have fun with and just tell those awkward dad moments that only another dad might truly appreciate. Mm-hmm. Brian, thank you so much for being with us. Sure, thank you. It's a pleasure being here. Something that I really take away from my conversation with him is that dads need community as much as I know I need my mom friends. And maybe I don't pay enough attention (laughs) to my husband in that regard of like, listen, I get it. You need to hang out with other dads and get some of the resources that I know that I get. Well, and let me say, my wife was away for six weeks uh, recently, and I, I felt like I was on an island. I was just solo parenting, two kids, and I was like, what happened to me? Well, six weeks? Yeah, it I was a strong time for old daddy <laughs> over here. What was some of the challenges that you faced? Uh, well, like you're talking about, like lack of community, feeling isolated, just lack of mental space by the end of the day, sort of being uh, being myself, getting all my work done, and then being a parent, a solo parent. By the time the kids went to bed, I was I would just sit in a chair and stare, not at TV. I would literally just stare. And that it's that's not me. Hmm. Um, so it affected me. Uh, but I'm loving all this fatherhood talk, so naturally I did a little research. Um, there are biological effects that becoming a parent has on dads. There's a dip in testosterone and a simultaneous increase in oxytocin and dopamine. And those are two hormones associated with feelings of happiness, contentment, and warmth. Oh. So loving those effects. I know. It's so interesting, too, because we don't think about that. We think about all the challenges maybe with parenthood or all the joys of parenthood and not exactly what happens in our bodies, the literal science behind it. Yeah. And um, when someone gives birth, their brain goes through a lot of changes. But a neuroscientist at the University of Denver found that new fathers as the non-birth parent Their brain also goes through changes after a child is born associated with attachment, nurturing, and empathy for the new baby. There needs to be as much attention on fatherhood as maybe sometimes people feel like there is the attention on motherhood. It's really parenthood. 
We hear a lot about stay-at-home moms, but we're about to hear from a dad who jumped into the game. Here's our correspondent, Fleece, with the parenting story of the day. Glenn Henry and his wife had an 18-month-old son and another one on the way. All of their income was about to go to childcare until his wife had an intriguing thought. She said, you know, I had this great idea. I think you should be a stay-at-home dad. I think it will be a great opportunity for our children to see what love looks like coming from a father. And I think she set it up really well. I understand what she was trying to say, but I just felt like I was being demoted because I just didn't understand what I was supposed to be doing all day with children and and their young kids. So I was like, okay, so all I have to do is feed them Make sure that they don't hurt themselves, turn on Sesame Street, maybe some flashcards, but that's really it. Basically supervise them from danger. He was always an attentive and involved father. He just expected something different on that first day with his two young children. First of all, they woke up before me. Everything just got behind me and I couldn't catch up ever. It was the day where the cable man was coming and it was like the only thing happening during the day, but I couldn't even get that moment right. Whenever they cried, they cried louder than I've ever heard anyone cry before. When one was sleeping and the other one laughed, I would panic, don't wake them up. It was this shock to my system that I really couldn't recover from. When the kids took their naps, he had time to regroup. Or did he? I didn't know what I was allowed to do for the two hours I had off. Should I just sit there and look at the wall? Should I relax and watch TV? Should I work on my career? Should I clean the house? I I didn't know what to do. It's like having recess as a child, but you have no friends and no play structure. It's just you in a sandbox. That's how it feels. I think the biggest shock overall was the loneliness of being a stay-at-home parent because It seems like the smiles, the giggles, and the cuddling would fill you up, but there's just not a lot of understanding. There's this thing about taking care of children where you're emotionally exhausted. So you're you're tired in your mind, right? And you're tired in your body. You can feel the aches and stuff like that because you don't really sleep much because everything is so demanding because they need everything now. But emotionally, the tears make you feel like you're not doing a good job. So... It's like, I know I'm taking care of these children. I know I'm doing the best I can do, but they're never satisfied. And nobody understands me. Glenn didn't know a lot of stay-at-home dads. Moms wouldn't talk to him on the playground. And friends didn't quite understand him being a dad and nothing else. I had a friend who worked all day, and his wife was a stay-at-home mom. And me being a stay-at-home dad, I had a very interesting perspective because I identified more with the wife than the husband. And so he would come home and he, he, he'd tell me like, man, you know, I come home, my wife got his clothes hanging all out the drawers and food's not ready. And I just was like, how dare you? Right. Like, how dare you even question what she did all day? Who cares if the house is clean? Everybody's alive. And that's all that really matters. And I just thought it was just so selfish. But I would never have understood that perspective had I not been in those shoes. Glenn started making changes. I started to research the field of stay at home parenting. I saw this one statistic and it was saying that people who are imprisoned get more outside time than most children. I thought that was interesting because I like to stay home because it's safe. I know where everything is. The potty's there. I always know where the food is. Whenever I go outside with my children or we go somewhere, 
everything falls apart. There's a shoe that fell out of the stroller. The binky hit the dust and rolled off the side of the sidewalk. There's another poop explosion I have to deal with. It's just so uncomfortable being out in the world. But I realized that it's okay to be uncomfortable, and that's where all the growth comes. Deeper insights about fatherhood emerged. Parenting is more about learning than it is about teaching. It's hard to teach a baby how to do anything. But because the process automatically slows you down when you have a child, you're forced to be patient. You're forced to listen and hear sounds that you're not used to hearing. You're forced to anticipate someone's desires and needs. It really teaches you how to love people better. Glenn connected with other stay-at-home parents, and he asked a question you might not usually hear discussed on the playground. What is one thing that you underestimated about being a stay-at-home parent? They told me, just straight up, the loneliness, not having someone to talk to, feeling inadequate, feeling selfish for wanting me time. I understand emotional fatigue. I understand what it means to just sit in that limbo of like, when is this child going to grow up? But also, please don't grow up too fast. Eventually, Glenn's wife became the stay-at-home parent when they had their daughter, and he went back to work. Because of my experience as a stay-at-home father, when my wife became the stay-at-home mother, I understood her in a way that just made me so valuable, I feel like, in our relationship. Because... She's not one to ask for time off. She's not one to admit when she needs a lot of help. But I would come home and see how much she needed time off, how emotionally exhausted she was. And I would just say to her, I know you didn't accomplish any of your goals today, and I'm sorry about that, but I'll take over. And it really just brought everything full circle for me. Glenn created an online community called Belief in Fatherhood with advice, resources, and stories about fatherhood to provide connection and healing. Family is the biggest foundation. It's the most important unit on earth. The disconnection of family leads to despair. So with stories like this and videos that we make, we guide men into fatherhood, equipping them to love and lead their families into eternity because we're all in this together. You know, Justin, it was so interesting to hear. And the way that he described the empathy he then has for other moms that may stay at home or dads that stay at home, because you don't know it until you live it. I've been a work-at-home dad a lot lately. I get a little bit of that stay-at-home parent and a little bit of the sort of uh, the work side as well. And that can sometimes be like, wow, I'm juggling way too much. (laughs) <laughs> or it can be like, oh, I get the benefit of seeing yeah. my children when I would normally not. Yeah, so many of us are experiencing that, but it's neat to see how fatherhood is really evolving and that fatherhood's really emerging as something that we need to talk about and we need to have substance behind. Well, and I think also like people identify as a father first more so now. Like I feel mm-hmm. like back uh, you know, a generation ago, it was like, oh, I'm an engineer and I also have kids. Mm-hmm. But now it, it, I feel like it's much more like I'm a dad and for work I um, am an engineer or I um, uh, co-host a podcast or whatever it might be. I definitely find myself saying, especially if I've just come off a very intense amount of parenting, I'm like, I'm a dad. 
And you can mm. tell because I'm tired right now. <laughs> I got some street cred in this. <laughs> I've exactly. actually lived it. And that's the show. Thank you so much for taking this ride with us. I want to thank Brian Anderson and Glenn Henry. And as always, we want to thank you for listening. You're why we do this. So if you like the show, share it with your playgroup. Share it with other moms and dads. Spread the word to your friends. Thank you to Munchkin. No wonder that the most loved baby brand in the world. And remember, you can find all your favorite Munchkin products at Bye Bye Baby. At Stroller Coaster, you know this, we're all about community. So if you have a question or a topic you want to hear more about, don't hesitate to reach out to us at podcast at munchkin.com. Okay, Justin, you got to let people know about story time. This is so fun for the parents and their kids. Yes, um, we have a bonus for you. Stroller Coaster Storytime is a podcast we do that's perfect for kids. We take your classic children's stories and fairy tales and we update them, make them fun and funny. Uh, Lynn, you're familiar with Little Red Riding Hood? Well, sure. Well, we upgraded her and made her Little Red Riding sneakers. Here's a clip. Little Red Riding sneakers didn't get very far into the big, big woods when she saw the wolf. Hello, Little Red Riding sneakers. Ooh, your sneakers are looking fresh. So fresh. So fresh. Ah, that's adorable. That's what's so fun about it. It's creative. Exactly. And you can find Stroller Coaster Storytime right here in the same feed. Before we go, Munchkin invites you to join us in helping make the planet a better place for our kids. Support organizations that protect animals and their natural habitat, like IFA, the International Fund for Animal Welfare. And now that you're ready to do something for the planet, here's something you can do for yourself. Take a time out. Today we visit beautiful Denali National Park, a vast wilderness that's home to more than 650 species of flowering plants. Look up. You may see a golden eagle soaring along the ridge of the expanse of Alaska Range. Enjoy. <laughs> 